Science Genius Girls. This is a little bit weird today because it's actually really just Science Genius Girl. Uh, it's just me. Aditi is gone. It's spring break here in Santa Cruz and that means that she's away and I'm here, which is fine. It's a great place to be for spring break, but I'm flying solo today. I feel like John Tesh on his radio show, you know, the John Tesh radio show when you turn it on late at night and it's John Tesh and he's like, did you know that if you ate three apples a day, your IQ will increase by a hundred points? I don't think I'm going to do as well as John Tesh, but I'm going to try. So we'll see if I crash and burn or if I do well enough. And actually, uh, I don't really know where Aditi is. She just sort of disappeared after we turned in our writing portfolios the other day and I haven't heard from her since. And I was like, well, you know, the show must go on. So, uh, uh what is it, Jean-Paul? What? Oh, okay. Okay, my personal assistant, Jean-Paul, has a note here from Aditi. She just uh, sent it over via email. And, okay, Jean-Paul, go back to making my chocolate cheesecake. Thank you. Bye. Okay. Uh, personal assistant. I mean, it's just so difficult. So, anyway, let me read the note to you, and it's addressed right to you. Yeah, dearest listeners, hello. I hope this note finds all of you well. I am sorry I could not make it to episode 11 of Science Genius Girls, the podcast. Where is she at, you may wonder? I am currently at the Elixir of Life Spa and Resort in Elixirville, British Columbia. I found I needed some space away from the close-knit science writing community here in Santa Cruz in order to work on my, what is this? Oh, on my genius grant proposal entitled Efficacy of Electromagnetospheroresistors in non-traumatizing canine impoundment units, or for the layperson, how well do pain-free electric dog fences really work? If I can get the half million I need to conduct this groundbreaking research, I will improve the lives of pugs, pit bulls, and poodles around the world. So far it is going well, but I am taking the afternoon to get a detoxifying herbal seaweed mud wrap here at the spa. Brittany Spears, Lindsay Lohan, and Nicole Ritchie are here as well. They are not applying for the Genius Grants, but they keep me in constant supply of Starbucks lattes every few hours. Anyway, it is time to get back to my cucumber mask and my triple venti non-fat no-whip extra hot extra caramel caramel macchiato. Please enjoy the rest of the show. If you have any concerns or complaints, you may contact me at 1-800-555-G-O-A-W-A-Y. Best, Aditi. That was very sweet, wasn't it? So next week we'll be back together and it'll be a little bit easier to do this podcast because right now I'm feeling pretty silly just sitting here in my room talking to my microphone. Uh, but to make up for it, we're going to have a special podcast next week because we're going to have our first Science Genius listener on the show. And this Science Genius listener comes to us all the way from Australia. His name is Daniel. He goes to McCary University in Sydney. And I would like to call Daniel Lord of the Lizards because that's really what he is. And let me tell you a little bit about what this podcast will entail. You know how Steve Irwin is from Australia and we all like to watch him because Americans like to watch animal shows because really the only animals we see are like deer when we hit them with our F-150 trucks and whatnot. So yeah, but out in Australia you actually get to see wildlife. And so I got an email from him and this is just a little preview. This is so cool. Okay. My study animal, the Jackie Dragon, is a tree-dwelling lizard which lives along the east coast of Australia. 
I catch the lizards in urban bashland around Sydney. Now that's the word he used. I don't know what bashland is, but I expect that he will explain it in a terrific Australian accent, which I'm not even going to try to do. So going on, like many lizard species, Jackie dragons communicate using visual displays such as tail flicks, arm waves, and head bobs. Males use these displays to attract females and deter rival males from entering their territory. I am trying to crack the code of display behavior by showing males video clips of displaying lizards and recording their responses. Okay, I would like to ask you now, where else are you going to see something about Jackie dragons? Right? So you need to stay tuned. Next Sunday we're going to have this interview as long as it works out, but I think it will, right Daniel? Because you really do want to help us out and anybody with an Australian accent is really popular here in America, so yeah, it's going to happen. You're going to be interviewed by us and it's going to be great. So, a couple things for you today. It's going to be a shorter show because I figure we should use half of the normal time to just mourn the fact that Aditi is not here and that she's off having a mud wrap. But we're going to have some news, brief news, and then we're going to talk about some cool websites that you might want to check out if they really are neat. So, news. It's time for Science News. That's our cute little news thing that I made up this morning when I wasn't doing anything else. Because I don't really know what to do now that I don't have school. I mean, I'm really glad I have a break, and it's wonderful, but I bought a book, and I went to Starbucks, and then I came home, and I was like, huh, I don't have anything to do. So, anyway, that's what I did. So, news. Okay, so the first thing we have is this very sad obituary, basically, about a giant tortoise that died in India on Thursday, and apparently he was 250 years old. They're not entirely sure that he's that old, but he's at least 150 years old because he was the pet of British General Robert Clive of the East India Company. So he was brought to the zoo about 130 years ago, according to the West Bengal Forest Minister. I don't know how to say his name, so I'm not going to try. So he died, and that's very sad. Although, I don't know, I mean, if you live 250 years, you've done pretty well. You should feel proud of your life, Tortoise. What is his name? Oh, Adwaitya. I don't think I'm saying that right. But it means the one and only in Bengali. So, rest in peace, the one and only. We will miss you. But good job for living so long. Okay. And then the next story we've got, again, I'm making these brief. I can't hope to really make up for Aditi, you know? There's just something missing when she's not here. So the second thing we have is that if you live in Brazil or Western Asia or Africa, you should stay tuned on Wednesday for a complete solar eclipse. It will take place on the 29th, and this is from the space.com website, and it was written by Joe Rao. Yeah, it's a pretty cool article. Basically, talks about um, talks about solar eclipses throughout history, and they happen a lot. But I guess they don't happen that often in places like you don't see them very often in places like California because it's just not within this belt where you normally see them. I'm not really making sense. That's cool, um, but they happen a lot. You just have to be in certain places, and apparently, some people actually will 
travel to these sites just to see the eclipses, which sounds pretty good to me. It's kind of like bird watching, you know, like you want to see the red-necked woodpecker or whatever, and so you spend a thousand dollars for first-class tickets to Madagascar or something, and then you go see them. That's pretty cool. So the same thing here. So if you want to go to Brazil, Africa, or Western Asia to see this eclipse, I would go ahead and get your tickets now. Okay? That sounds pretty cool. I wish I could see that. Actually, I did see a solar eclipse once. It was in high school, and it was during math class, and I was in ninth grade, but everybody in my math class was in tenth grade, and <clears throat> they like to have any excuse not to pay attention, and I was scared to death of all of them. And so the solar eclipse happened, and of course, you know, everybody went to the window and stared at the sun and blinded themselves, and I just sat in my seat thinking that I really just wanted to go home. But theoretically, it was quite cool, and I think it was just a partial solar eclipse. I mean, I don't remember the sky just going dark. So, that's my one recollection. Ooh, and once I was in Belgium, and there was a solar eclipse, and it did get pretty dark. But that was a while ago, too. Then we went and got french fries. It was great. Okay, third story of today, um, if I can find it, oh, okay, so a private company tried to launch a partially reusable commercial rocket on Friday, and apparently it did not, there I go with apparently again, I say it all the time, that's okay, apparently it didn't work, so it lifted off, and then it just totally fell flat didn't happen. It was launched by Space Exploration Technology, otherwise known as SpaceX. And even though that didn't work, they have eight more contracts for launches throughout 2010. So they're working on other things. Didn't work, but they're going to bounce back. It's okay. However, one thing that did work uh, that I just read on the news maybe like an hour ago was that they launched... Um, they launched an engine from Australia. It's supposed to, I don't know, if you put it into an airplane, it's supposed to get you from Australia to Britain within like two hours. So it's like a super hypersonic jet thing. And that worked, so that's good news because nobody likes to sit in planes for extended periods of time, which we have to do now, which is totally miserable, and which I really hate because I can't sleep on planes. So that would be nice. That would be really nice. Especially now that the Concorde is gone, you know, so we're all stuck taking, like, British Airways, and it's just uncomfortable. And now I'm totally going on a tangent, so I'm going to stop. So, one flop, one success, you know, take one, you lose one, whatever. And then finally, and this one is very cute, and also very telling, I wonder if it could apply to humans. It's called, One Female Mouse to Another, May I Cut In? And it's by Bjorn Carey from LiveScience.com, which I'll talk about more in a minute. But apparently, <clears throat> apparently, if a female has a choice, if a female mouse has a choice, she will go after the male mouse that already is taken by another girl mouse. She won't go after the single male mouse. So, basically, the fact that he's already in a relationship is kind of attractive to her. And so she wants him. She wants what she can't have. I find that very interesting. This was published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences about a week and a half ago. And I want to read you a line from this article. 
In fact, the cue was so strong that the females were attracted to mated males infected with parasites. Infected single males, however, were of no interest. Huh. Okay. So that means that if your friend is dating this guy who's kind of gross, you're more apt to pick him than another gross guy. Okay. That's interesting. I just find that fascinating. And I think the reason that these get published is because people kind of translate these to human terms. And yeah, because you're thinking about it and you're like, huh, I wonder if that's true for humans too. That you'd be more attracted to somebody who's taken than to somebody who's not taken, even if the taken person isn't really that attractive. That might explain a lot of the things we see in Hollywood, you know? Like one super attractive female star dates somebody who's really not that attractive, and then suddenly everybody wants to date him. Very scientific. I like how we try to merge Hollywood and science into one show. I think it works for us. And if you don't think so, don't listen. It's okay. Okay. And then the third section of our very short show today is about science websites. And I was just thinking that I see a lot of cool science websites, especially because I teach online. And so I try to <clears throat> occasionally give my students websites that I think might help them with their work. Um, the first one I want to talk about, I've got three, no, four, four recommended websites. And some of them are very interactive and you could help do research with them. So pay attention, okay? So the first one is LiveScience.com. And I think it's one of the newest science news websites. And I really like it because it's colorful, it's cool, it doesn't just stick with serious stories. There's some really quirky stories in there. They have something called um, the Science of Fiction. So, for example, one of their recent articles in that section was about Margaret Atwood and how she's a writer and how she could actually sign books even if she wasn't at that particular location. So from her home, she could just write her signature into a ThinkPad or something and then the, um, the fan of her book or whatever would get it, which is kind of neat. So they have a lot of really interesting stories, a lot of pictures, and I know a couple of people who work there. Okay, one, and just barely. But she's really nice, and she's a good writer. And her name's Corey Bins, and I like her work. Um, so that's just, rec like, if you just wanted to get a really quick science fix during the day, go to LiveScience.com. Okay, and the second one, and this is one that um, Trent, my husband, he suggested to me. It's called Globe at Night. And it's something, I'm not sure which organization is doing this, but basically they want to figure out how much light pollution there is around the world based on the stars that you can see. And we talked about this a little bit last week. In some cities, you really can't see the stars at all, or you can only see the brightest ones. So they're having people volunteer to look at the area around Orion, and then you can go online and compare what you see in the sky to different pictures on their website. And so if you live in a really... Um, pollution-free area, you're going to see tons and tons of stars, and you can click on that picture and be like, this is what I see. But if you live in Las Vegas, maybe you see two stars, you can click on that picture. So what they want to do is try to figure out where the, where the biggest areas of light pollution are in the United States, and I think around the world. And they're asking people to help with this between March 22nd and March 29th. So you have until Wednesday to go to this site and then go outside and do a little bit of research on light pollution, which I think is pretty neat that they're asking just the public to help them with their research. And the website for this 
is www.globe.gov slash G-A-N. G-A-N equals globe at night. And again, we'll put this on our website, so if you want to access this, you can. But it's really neat. I think it's great that researchers want to get the public involved in their research. And I think that's part of the problem with science. You know, is it that people aren't interested in science, or is that they just don't feel any kind of connection to it, so they don't bother? You know, life is so busy. If you're like a financial analyst or something, and you work 20-hour days, are you really going to pay attention to something that has no connection to your life whatsoever? or that you perceive has no connection to your life. Yeah. So I think it's great, and I think this is going to happen more and more, especially with astronomy, because there's so many things going on up in space, and, you know, actually the professional astronomers often don't have time to deal with everything, and so they rely on amateurs like us to get the information for them. Um, if you're interested in something related to that, you can actually help search for ET from your computer, the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence. Um, their institute, the SETI Institute, has this computer program. It's free, and you install it on your computer, and then while you're away, your computer will run and actually go through this data and search for extraterrestrial life, which is pretty neat. And it helps them a lot because they're a nonprofit organization, and um, I don't think they're profit, but they're private. They're not funded by the government anymore. So they need all the help they can get. And I think it's kind of neat. And we'll put that on the website too. The third one is the University of California's Museum of Paleontology. They have something called a geological time machine at their website. And what it is, you can look at this um, timeline of the Earth's history and you, cl you click on a specific section. For example, maybe you want to look at the Cretaceous when the dinosaurs lived up until about 63 million years ago, and it'll tell you um, what kinds of animals were around, or organisms, what kind of organisms were around, where they lived, how the Earth looked at that time, what the climate was like. It's really neat because you can get an idea of what the Earth was actually like, you know, like 60 million years ago, or 100 million years ago, or 2 billion years ago, and get a better sense of how much it's changed over time. So that website is at www.ucmp.berkeley.edu. That's kind of fun, just if you're sitting there around lunchtime and you're like, hmm, what can I do? I might as well go see what was happening in the Mesozoic. Yeah. And then the final one, this is kind of two actually. The first one is Google Earth, but I'm pretty sure most of you know about Google Earth. You can download a program and you will be able to look at satellite images of the Earth and you can zoom in so you can actually see your house or like, I don't know, your ex's house and you can, you know, like zoom in and see where they're living. Not that you would ever do that because that's kind of stalkerish. I would never do that. I would do that. I have done that. I also look in people's medicine cabinets. And so do you. I know you do. So I'm not that much of a freak. Anyway, Google Earth is at um, http blah blah earth.google.com but then you can also go to this other website called antweb.org and you can download all of this data about ants and where different ants live and apparently there's like hundreds of species of ants and researchers aren't entirely sure how many or how they're distributed 
And so there's this building, they're building a database about different kinds of ant species. So you can download that data and it will automatically put that information on your Google Earth map. And so for example, there's a lot of different ants in California. It'll show up as dots throughout California. You click on the dot and you can see what kind of ant lives in Santa Cruz. Well, let me tell you, a lot of ants live in Santa Cruz because they get into my bedroom. And one time I left my book bag open and it happened to have like a pop tart that wasn't even open in there. And they smelled it and they got in and my book bag was just covered in ants. It was great. Yeah. So that's just kind of neat. We were talking about species last week and how scientists aren't really sure how many species there are in the world and this is just focusing on one of them and so it's a growing database and what actually gets mapped will change over time as they learn more. So those are our recommended websites. Live Science, um, Globe at Night, University of California Museum of Paleontology, and Google Earth and AntWeb, and SETI because you want to look for aliens. You want to be like Jodie Foster in contact, don't you? Yes, you do. Okay, so that's pretty much all I have except for a few announcements. First of all, Daniel from Australia was kind enough to send us information about his research and we want to encourage you to do the same. And we don't even have to interview, we're going to interview him um, over this Macintosh camera called EyeSight and we can record the conversation. But if you don't want to be on our show, we can still interview you over email and then post the interview on our website. I just think it's neat to get an idea of what people are doing. And you know, if you're a graduate student, you're spending two years or four years or six years on this project, you must care about it. There has to be some cool aspect to it. I know there is. And so wouldn't you like to share that with people? I think so, because I think they'd be excited to know. I know people are going to be very excited about Daniel, the Lord of Lizards. Daniel, I'm sure you're very excited now too. Okay, second thing is we don't do a lot of advertising of other podcasts, mainly because we're lazy. And also because if people send us promos, I have no clue. It's, it's lucky I can press record people, okay? So we don't do a lot of advertising, but um, the two co-hosts of Lip Gloss and Laptops emailed us. And I just looked at their site today. I haven't listened to their podcast, but I'm sure it's great. It's about makeup for the thinking woman. And it's hosted by Airdrie and Carrie Ann from Canada. And I have to say their site is just so cute. They just look adorable. I'm sure it's a great podcast. So their site is www.lipglossandlaptops.com. And it's really nice. I think they must have, I think they do. They have a professional web developer working on their site because it's awesome. Good job, guys. I'm going to listen to this. And I'm sure Aditi will too because she likes makeup and all that good stuff. Yeah, so listen to them. And then finally, um, before you just totally forget about us for the week, which is fine, you should go to our website, which is sciencegeniusgirls.blogspot.com, and we have a new link to our new Frapper, um, our Frapper map. So if you click on that, you can put in your location, and we can see where you live. We just want to get a sense of where people live, and you can also put in like a little... Um, a little blurb about yourself. So for example, you could just put your name and what you do. That would be fine. 
we just want to know what's going on. We want to know who's listening to us because our subscriber number is going up and we just don't know who actually tunes in. Okay, so that's about it. And I hope I didn't totally bum you out because Aditi's not here, but she'll be here next week along with Daniel, Lord of the Lizards. And it's going to be a great show. So I will see you then. Until then, do your science homework. Keep up with science news. And we'll talk to you later.